You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It is time now for the season's first Colch Nero chat. I'm Jeremy. I am back with my most frequent guest, Robbie Dunn. How are you, man? I'm very good. I'm very good. The first podcast of the year, and I'm excited to get going. Well, as excited as I am to talk with you, Robbie, uh, what we're going to be talking about is not as exciting from the Atletico point of view, although it could be. Uh, there, there was no shortage of, of drama at the Civitas Metropolitano on Sunday night, which saw Unai Emery mastermind his first ever win over Diego Simeone's Atletico, a 2-0 victory for Villarreal. Uh, a full credit to them, by the way. This is a Villarreal team that has now gone to Bayern and won, that has gone to Turin and beaten Juve at their stadium. They've won at Camp Nou Spotify, and now they've beaten Atletico at the Metropolitano in just this calendar year. Yeah, and I think last night was a good a good example of just how well they're coached, Atletico tried, and, and how uh, multi-dimensional they are. Uh, Atletico tried to shut down Danny Parejo, which they did, but they found other ways to hurt them. And I think, um, I th- yeah, yeah, in 20 games Emery has played, it was he hasn't beaten Simeone, but in fairness, there was 11 draws and there was some seriously close calls in there. Um, I just think... Uh, last night, he Simeone was outcoached, and and yeah, it's it's it was a really really poor night given what happened on the field, but then also what happened off it after. It was a really really kind of a not a nice way to start the season at home. And we're going to be discussing everything that happened after the game and, and trying to contextualize it and talk about what's going to happen moving forward but just in general Robbie a really bad day at the office for Atletico I think there was a lot of illusion there was a lot of excitement and enthusiasm following the the season opening win over Hitafe when I think Atletico played pretty well very brutally effective on the counterattack. some really interesting attacking combinations we saw Antoine Griezmann come in off the bench and score a goal from a central midfield position uh, really interesting stuff, but then everything seemed to go out the window on Sunday night. Uh, if you could sum up, Robbie, what went wrong for Atletico, and then we'll go from there. I think the problem with Atletico at the moment, or uh, it's been, this is this is the uh, a story as old as time now at this stage. There was no there was no risk with their passing, with their pressing, 
and there was no reward. And the, 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 the problem with playing a game that's... No, the problem with playing a game and relying on your opponent making a mistake is, is that that works both ways. Mm-hmm. If you make a mistake, it's such a fine margin that you find yourself a goal down and Atletico... It's so hard to switch gears back into okay. Let's turn it back on, turn it on now again. And I just think that uh, Atletico are stuck. They're mired in this place, in this state of 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 the evolution of of Cholismo, where Villarreal would have been perfectly happy with a draw last night. Yep, absolutely. So, so, so you saw, and this is the problem, you saw Rooney sitting on the ball saying, I am in no hurry whatsoever here. It's not like we're a goal down the second leg of the Champions League quarterfinal. I don't need to do anything here because a point at, 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 at Atletico is a point earned rather than two points lost for, for Villarreal. Mm-hmm. So it was the onus was on Atletico to force the issue. And they just won't because they will not take that risk. And that's—I don't know if that's a concise enough summary for you, but that's exa- that's basically it in a in a in a nutshell in a couple of paragraphs. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of paragraphs more than a nutshell. Well, there definitely wasn't any reward uh, for Atletico last night. Uh, it, it was a combination, Robbie, of a team being both bad and unlucky. A team that didn't have really any cohesive pressing any real game plan and just i could tell 15 20 minutes in i don't know if you could tell the same thing but i could tell really early on that this game was not gonna be uh was not gonna be good like games against Villarreal are tough anyway i think atletico have only three wins out of their last 15 against Villarreal. they're a very tough team to play um but Villarreal were absolutely right more than happy to just calmly slowly pass the ball around like, Pau Torres and Raul Albiol were just standing on the wall for 5-10 seconds at a time at a number of points in this game. And Atletico were too too risk-averse. They didn't want to press. They didn't want to open themselves up defensively. And it was Simeone being more concerned about his own team's weaknesses being exploited rather than being aggressive, being proactive instead of reactive, and going at the opponent. And, 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 and counterintuitively... So, so I was actually working on a column here for this, okay? So I think it was after like 10 minutes. In that first 15 minutes, Villarreal were really well spread out, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and Atletico were pressing with four. It was uh, Morata and Felix at the front, and then it was uh, Molina and Lamar shutting off access to Parejo and also watching Foyt and Pedraza either side. Mm-hmm. But... And 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 really, so it was it was one two three four five six seven. There was it was seven on four, uh, seven Villarreal players, four Atletico players. Okay, that's that's fine. They're, they're not going to press. They're not going to be. They're not going to be able to get the ball back unless unless uh, something ridiculously bad happens to Villarreal, and and they're just technically too good to lose the ball with a seven on four situation. Okay, so. If it's seven on four in that half of the field, then obviously it's four on seven in the other half of the field. But no, five seconds later, Pau Torres just a little drop of the hips passes to a wide open um, uh, Etienne Capoue. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I've got two screenshots here. All of a sudden, it's a four on two situation. Villarreal are attacking and, and, and Villarreal weren't clinical enough in that opening 15 minutes but like not only are you not pressing and forcing the issue on one end of the field you're not even hiding those weaknesses so like and then and then you saw like Joe Felix was just so frustrated he's lucky he wasn't sent off for those two lunges now he didn't catch either player but like they were a little bit reckless, and 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 there's a sign of a player who was just frustrated, and he was frustrated from the start, and I can understand why because, like I was saying about the, the Villarreal were really well spread out, and all of a sudden the onus was on Alvaro, Alvaro Morata and Yao Felix to cover like thirty yards in order to press and stop the the Pau Torres or someone from progressing. That's just you need an extra body there to cover more space with 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 uh, 
um, and, and this is the risk I'm talking about that's that's just not there because Simeone is not willing to go there but counterintuitively it doesn't even work because you're, you're they're so it, it, the spacing isn't right at the back then either and Kapua is free so what's what's going on like yeah there were there was just a, a whole free zone for a Kapua to just dribble through um right around the halfway line to just dribble through and progress the ball because the midfield press was so disjointed and, and so inconsistent, Robbie. And it was uh, really, it struck me as a nearly a polar opposite from the Hitafe game when Atletico were very aggressive in trying to win the ball high up the pitch. Uh, one of the goals that was directly created from Zhao Felix winning the ball up the pitch from a Mitrovic um, missed pass. And just there was no... The plan was to just hope and wait, and wait for a mistake, as we mentioned earlier, but Villarreal were hoping for the same thing, and they eventually got that mistake uh, on 73 minutes when, oh, not well, Molina. What, what, a, what a disaster class for him on his home debut, Robbie. He gives the ball away to Jeremy Pino, and he makes no mistake at the far post, and then Molina goes and gets himself sent off in stoppage time for just lashing out in a very poor way at Alex Baena, really immature and showed a lack of composure. Oof. What, what did you what, what did you make of Molina against Hetafe, I guess? And then we can lead into what went wrong for him against Villarreal. What was the, the key divergence there? Yeah, I think, I think he, was, he was obviously better against Hetafe because Atletico in general were better, but also Hetafe in those first 15 minutes didn't want the ball, so Atletico were being given a chance to kind of build up, and the early goal came, and then all of a sudden, perfect for Simeone, because this is Simeone, this is Jolismo, one-on-one, set and counter, and when they, the other three goals came, and, and you, you can play the game on your terms, but Villarreal came in and wanted to play the game on, on their terms, and Atletico just... They couldn't sit because, like I said, a draw would have been okay for Villarreal. So they had to do something, but they weren't ready to fully commit to getting the ball back. And even when they did, then they didn't have the players to uh, to, to build up from the back. And I thought there was a lack of a connection between Molina and Marcus Llorente. I don't think Marcus Llorente's role was 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 very well defined, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not entirely sure what he was doing because, like, like looking at this picture here still. Like the gap between midfield and the attack is just there's acres of space here, and then you're looking. I'm looking at Nicholas Nicholas Jackson, who's really pacey, yeah. on Stefan Savage one on one, and and they didn't they didn't really that didn't really work out for Villarreal, but it was there all the time the possibility, and there was a couple of times when he kind of did get in behind, but uh, he ended up um, they, they were, as I said they weren't clinical enough in that respect. But how can you be so uh, risk averse while also being so it's it's one on one here I'm looking like <laughs> I'll post a picture later but like it's basically Savage versus Jackson one on one I think that's Moreno and Witzel one on one and then Pino on Reynildo one on one and then you've got Koke and, and Lamar Koke uh, and Carrasco standing in, in midfield and they're just kind of there's too much space between them there's too much space between the lines. I'm just looking. Kapua is picking the ball up. I'm just like, what's... Uh, yeah, so, so sorry. The, the, the question was about Molina, and I just thought he he didn't really have a chance to do much going forward because of how Atletico played, and there was no connection there with Llorente, and there, there was signs of a connection there with, with them, between them against Catafe, but last night there wasn't. Yeah, uh, again, credit to Villarreal and Unai Emery's game plan. They really gummed up everything in the middle. And Atletico's best, what, probably one of their two best periods in this game, roughly from the 30th minute till halftime, and then again between the 60th and 70th minutes, I would say. That first good period starting around the half-hour mark is when Atletico finally were able to involve Yannick Carrasco and Toma Lima in the action. I thought Lima played really well on Sunday night, but he was doing too much defensive work because of the conservatism, uh, the passive nature of Atletico's strategy, and they fell into this trap of, should they press Villarreal? Should they not press up on their center backs who can move the ball well and who can move it effectively? Um, and in, during that period, they were able to get the ball to Morata a little bit, and Morata finished with uh, three shots on target, a couple decent chances that really got down to save. Um, but that raises an interesting question about just who Marcos Llorente is, Robbie. Uh, we, we saw this guy just 
explode during the title winning season two years ago. Last year, okay, he misses a bunch of time with injuries, and he has to play it right back because the club didn't replace Trippier properly. That we we understand that, but now there there is a new right back here. Uh, and it's early days. There's still plenty of time for them to foster a connection. I think Molina will probably be okay. But who is Marco Chirente? I know that's a, it's like an existential question, but who who is he in this team? Yeah, but 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 the, the, this is this is apparently also down to the to the to the tactics and the coaching. It's 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 featureless football. Like I mean, who is Joe Felix? Like what is Joe Felix saying? Okay, he can beat a player who is Thomas Lamar in this team like it's 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 just um, you know and, 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 and aside from the pressing like I was saying and just the, the off the ball uh, there's no risk in the passing there's no it's just long long balls as soon as the build up kind of looks anyway like they might lose the ball it's just launch and then just rely on maybe a second ball or something like that. But uh, like, I don't think you can really foster uh, an identity um, in in this team and become be your 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 true self. Like, because there's just there's too much of an onus on defending, and that's why a lot of players haven't lasted the course with Simeone because they weren't willing to completely give themselves to it and that's why players like Koke who has been a servant but at the same time he has sacrificed uh, maybe this is the player he always was and this is what this is what we would have gotten either way but like his creative side was supposed to be when he was coming through it as a as a as a 21 year old his uh, his one of his defining traits was creativity, but that's, I mean, he doesn't even do any of that anymore. That's that's long gone. Yeah, the, the guy yeah. that Xavi once compared to himself as being his replacement exactly. in the national team, it, that guy's long it, gone. Exactly. He's a soldier now, and it's it's 11 soldiers rather than 11 uh, individuals on, on the field. And um, I, I don't know, like, I mean, we're two games in and we're already talking about this, like, and... This is just like I think last season wasn't great. Obviously, it was it was actually the 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 a long way from being great. The opposite of great, yes. The opposite of great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the they they were living off the fact that they had won La Liga and everything like that. I just wonder, like, at what point does this become? intolerable for even the fans and Cholismo fans because like um, we're only two games in now and there was already there was already some concern there we saw Getafe kind of threatening threatening a couple of times Unal crosses coming into the box and just kind of letting them not really forcing um, themselves on the game once they went a goal ahead and but, but they won 3-0 and it was everything was fine and rosy in the garden and last night it would have been the same if it wasn't for that if it wasn't for that mistake it would have been like oh well we kind of dodged another bullet but like at what point is do you do you, um do you, is it do you go from we're the one with uh we're the one that's um uh, coming in and, and, and going on the offensive here or we're the one dodging bullets trying to kind of you know what i mean mm-hmm. so uh i just wonder now now that that La Liga's title season is is a distant memory, and I just wonder at what point does this maybe start getting a little bit? Uh, does the pressure start to come on Simeone? And we saw some ugly scenes after the game, not not directly related to that, but in a sense, yeah, related to that, which we'll get to it in in a few minutes. But I mean, this is a they brought back ninety percent of an underachieving team. Uh, whether you believe the club's framing or not, they didn't significantly reshape the team this summer, and that doesn't generate a whole lot of illusion. You know, they they bring in Witzel, who I think is going to be a useful player. I think he completed 70 of his 74 passes last night. He seems to be settling in nicely to his role as, uh, as uh, in his reinvention as a center back. But I, I think they're going to be an inconsistent team because it's a team full of inconsistent players. And they will struggle against organized teams with a clear plan for victory, especially if they don't come out aggressively and they don't get the first goal. You, you bring back 85 to 90% of an underachieving team, and this is what you can expect. I think there was a lot of 
a lot of us were really high on the team after the victory over Hitafe. Oh, Jao Felix gets three assists. Morata scores two goals. What's going on? And then they come out and just lay an absolute egg against Villarreal, who, again, had a clear plan, really well organized, um, and a the kind of team that Atletico could have. But it, it's, again, just too jumbled in midfield, and there are too many players here who aren't a clear and Dermot Corrigan wrote about this earlier this morning at the Athletic there are too many players who are not a clear and obvious fit in this team talented players absolutely like Lemad, DePaul, uh, Jao Felix uh, these are guys Carrasco, Morata these are guys wanted a Lodi big big clubs want these players uh, so they're, they're talented they're obviously coveted but the fitting them together is still not clear and Cholo wants to persist on this 3-5-2 which okay great um, but there's no coherent consistent clear game to game strategy I know it's only match day two so we're, we're trying not to overreact but I saw some things on Sunday night Robbie that were very concerning the team's image they did not give their best image to, to paraphrase a, a phrase you often see in Marco or Diario as. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, no, and, and I don't think that was that was good. The, the Hermosa stuff and it just kind of, it just kind of that that's the kind of thing that happens at clubs where there's no unity, but there, there's 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 kind of tension bubbling under the surface, and um, and like like you, you, yeah, it's um it's not good, especially after the set. What about like? 30 games into a season and things aren't going well and there's a bit of frustration like you're two you're two games into the season and and, and this is happening and uh, yeah like I mean and then the Molina getting sent off wasn't wasn't good and and um, yeah like I mean the and I, I mean I spent the whole of last year talking to you saying that this doesn't make any sense it's Simeone, Simeone. but but like and, yeah, I, and yeah. I do completely understand that part of his there, there's serious restrictions on him in terms of who he can ask for who he, who they can bring in and um, I mean Savage is out now with, with an injury I don't know what's going to happen with, with, with that yeah and um, like and I do understand that but at the same time like it's really frustrating in terms of you saying where the players fit in this team like that's Simeone's job to it show is. us how they fit. It Why is. are they there? Like, like you have to bring out the best in Joe Felix. You've had him now for four years, um, or uh, whenever he signed in 2019. Yeah, I guess, this, wasn't is, it? Um, this is his fourth like, season. You've had him now for three years, and we haven't seen. We've only seen glimpses of him. Of him, um, you know, I. That's on the coach, like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and if it was just one player, okay, fair enough, maybe two players. But this is consistent uh, uh, across s- several um, seasons, across with several players. And uh, I, yeah, I just think that I just wonder, like, does Simeone doubt even himself? Like, sit there and think, I, I, I can't figure this out. Like, I'm like. Because you you can't just and, and and this is obviously partly down to the fact that he's a victim of his own success and that he has brought them on so much that they are now dining at the top table. But at some point, you have to kind of either either accept that you have to become more like Real Madrid or Barcelona if if, if that's who you're seeing like as if you can't sit and counter, or else. Uh, um, or else go somewhere else, like. Um, but he's got he's got a lot of control in that dressing room, and, and he's paid pretty, paid pretty handsomely. So what he is under, he's no incentive to move. So I, yeah, I just um, again, I spent all last season giving out about Simeone, and I don't want it to become that because I, 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 he's an absolute legend of the club, and he's obviously a lot smarter than I am. But it's just watching the games, and you're like, and and and, and not just me fans people who are season ticket holders who have stopped going and uh, uh, a lot of people who know football I'd be talking to them and they'd be like this this is just isn't good like it's not good and it's only what August 22nd that we're already having this conversation 
that's not a, yeah. a great sign. But, you know, as I said, I think there are going to be a lot of highs and lows with this Atletico team because they have a lot of players who have high highs and some low lows. One of the questions we received, which, by the way, thank you to everyone who submitted your questions to the Into the Calderon Twitter account, was from Matt Clark, who asked about the lack of intensity and if that was the biggest problem on Sunday. And it, it does speak to something we also talked about midway through last season when things were really bad, when Atletico were mired in that losing streak, uh, that there's a, a disconnect between what Simeone wants, what the club wants, and also transmitting that to the players. Even, as Matt points out, even with most of the same 11 as last week, the only change being Carrasco for Saul, Atleti looked passive, and they allowed Villarreal too much time and space on the ball like we talked about, and just that allowed Emery to completely outfox Simeone and then all the stuff after the game happened and that brought up a bunch of really ugly stuff relating to the Frente Atletico and relating to the relationship between the fans and the club which has been deteriorating for years uh, another question we got from at uh, from Cokeola what do you make of the fan reaction are the fans more divided than ever yeah on the intensity question I don't really think that um, I don't really think that that uh, I, I don't think intensity matters when those tactics all 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 intensity would have done is a made Atletico tired quick more uh, more quickly <laughs> and b it would have sped up the demise because Atletico would have been rushing around like headless chickens and Villarreal are so technically brilliant that they would have just played it right through them and I, I just don't think that the the the, the the tactics were right so no matter whether you're no, no, no intensity in terms of we want the ball back uh, and we're going to uh, and when we're on it we're going to be more incisive and more creative uh, that's that's something that could have improved but intensity in, in terms of just general running around it, 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 the issue wasn't that it was the tactics when you've got four players on seven in, in, in their build up they're just going to play it right through you and then when you've got the out ball to Kapue to uh, Nicholas Jackson one on one with it like it's it's impossible and against a really well coached team and then I, on the second question about the I don't to be honest I don't really know like and I don't really like getting too deep into that because mm-hmm. friend Atletico is fairly fairly unsavoury um They've got some fairly unsavory elements. Yes, uh, and, yes, they do. Uh, but, yeah, but I also can't say that I'm close to it, so I don't. Sure. I don't. I, 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 that I hear anything about it. So, no, I just think I think what happened last night was just pure and utter frustration. Uh, f- that boiled over, and Jared Moreno just happened to celebrate in the way he did, and and then it and then it's it. They were just in the mood then to cause problems and that's when Mario Hermoso, Griezmann and the rest of them got it and maybe that would have gone un- un- unnoticed if Hermoso didn't react the way he did but he's obviously pissed off because he's been completely left out now and he he probably wants out of there so he might be just trying to speed up his <laughs> they're going to probably have to sell him now are they? Or like, yeah, like, that's a decent way to do it and Matteo Moreto said this morning that uh, Atleti have received some offers for him but they're loans and they want to make a big sale but you know, Hermoso hasn't played yet you know Lodi hasn't played yet Condogbia and Felipe haven't played yet that's four of your 21 outfield players in a year that has a serious schedule crunch, a World Cup in November and December, like Simeone either needs to play these guys or tell them to find a new club. It's really problematic when you have a, sh- a short squad anyway. You, they're missing at least one center back and probably a fullback. Uh, it's really problematic that three of these players are nominally defenders and Simeone is clearly not counting on them. And Condogbio was their best midfielder last year and he hasn't played a single minute yet. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and, and, and this is another problem that I don't tr- really understand either in that um, the um, Koke is being squeezed into the team once again 
And I, I just wonder, everything that I said earlier is part of that to protect Koke, which is a noble thing to do if you're Simeone. I mean, he's, he's, he's kind of gone down with his, with his captain by his side and, and, and that. But at the same time, it's not very, uh, it's, it's not, it's, 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 it's really not helping the team. So is Koke the answer in the middle? Maybe that's the whole kind of problem, like, you know, and, 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 and I, I don't know because Koke does offer you something, but I just feel like, and I just said that I didn't want to get into this or I didn't want to kind of focus so much on it, but it just looks like a broken setup, like. The as I said, the image of the team is not good, um, both on and off the pitch. There were some really worrying elements, and it's a, it's a lot of carryover from last year because a lot of these players are the same. Um, and just to give a brief overview of what happened, I mean, Gerard Moreno scores in the ninety-sixth minute on, on another counterattack, a four-on-two. Um, he scores. He does his celebration that honors his daughters. I think uh, he's been doing it like his entire career. But you know, of course, the fans in the south stand they get rowdy. They throw bottles at him, and the situation gets tense. And after the game, it continues. Some of the players come out for a warm-down exercise, those who, don't, who didn't play or played very few minutes, and the Frente just starts insulting Griezmann, um, which is a whole other thing. The fans have not, have not accepted him, even though he's been back for a year, and honestly, I don't blame some of them. Um, but they start insulting Griezmann, which, is, which isn't appropriate. Either way, it's not appropriate. Hermoso takes offense. They start uh, calling him, you know, MHDP in honor of his, in honor, quote unquote, of his past as a Real Madrid player. Um, they call him a heel de puta and just everything pops off. He wants to go fight with the fans and the police, they have, there has to be a police presence to hold him back. Um, the, the funniest part of that clip, though, is as Hermoso is just lunging toward the fans, there's Felipe in the background just dribbling the ball, just in his own world, is not involved in this whatsoever, which I think is what we would all like to be. But when it comes to our doorsteps like this, we have to at least acknowledge it and talk about it. Um, I, I guess to, to put a finer point and a bow on it, Robbie, uh, the Frente is very unsavory. We don't condone anything they do. It's a very right-wing group. And the club has an uncomfortable relationship with them. Our own Sam Leverage wrote about it this morning in his Three Things We Learned column. Um, the Frente paid for the statue of Aragonis that stands outside the Metropolitano. Um, Atletico's ban of, of the Frente and Frente propaganda a few years ago after they killed a Depor fan, uh, that was really just a PR move. There's still close links between the top figures at the club and the top members of the Frente which, as we've talked about, is a very far-right, ultra-radical group that embraces Nazism, embraces fascism, all these other unsavory philosophies. Um, and it's really unfortunate. I think Inyako Diaz-Guerra wrote about this in El Mundo as well, that either the club doesn't know this is going on or they know it's going on and they're accepting it. I don't know which one is worse. And that's really all yeah. that I think we need to say about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and because I, I mean, we weren't there, and we don't know what was said, and I mean, it's uh, crazy to Hermoso, and and you know, you know, this kind of like hold me back kind of a thing. It actually looked <laughs> yeah. like Hermoso kind of did want to have a go. He um, did. He was going to go in there, man. Yeah, I think so. Um, but yeah, like look, not really, really not good. Um, yeah, and and. I don't know the solution in terms of. Uh, I think uh, if he wants to leave, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, they kind of have to sell him now. Maybe that was what he was trying to do. Is yeah. like, look, start a fight with the fans, and then they they're gonna have to get rid of me. That's what I was thinking <laughs> last night. <laughs> like, like you you can't do that, you know. Just I don't know. It, it's very it's uncomfortable, but we we have to at least acknowledge it, and it's a, a sign of just the the simmering tension that's been there for years. It started well before the club moved from the Calderon and changed the badge. It, it's going to continue long after that. It is continuing. So there was that. And, yeah, we mentioned earlier Stefan Savage sustained a hamstring injury, his first muscle injury of the year. It probably will not be his last. My guess is he's going to be out for about three weeks, given his injury record. Um, so that, that would, ironically, open up a space for Hermoso or for Felipe. We'll see what Simeone does. They're going to go to Mestaya next Monday without Molina and without Savage. So they're already up against it because they're going to be down two defenders and a team that isn't very, still isn't very balanced and has more forwards than central defenders. Yeah, and, and this is, um, 
this is the problem. We're, we're, we're one or two injuries away from crisis, proper full-on crisis. And, uh, yeah, it's just... Um, it's, it's it's not good squad planning and it's not um it's, it's far from ideal now having to play a herm- an emotional or also uh, obviously it's going to be professional enough to uh, or, or or someone like that i, I don't really know uh, and this is just uh, like we said two games into the season i think it kind of points at something a little bit more in a sinister i don't know sinister is the right word but something a little bit more um Something deeper going on there that that uh, we're we're not uh, we're not really kind of taken into account yet, or just just a general un, un, uneasiness and unhappiness within what's actually going on with the club. Yeah, yeah. Cholo alluded to it on Saturday, uh, talking about the end of the transfer window. The players are going to be restless. Coaches are going to be restless. It complicates our work when the window remains open at the start of the season. Um, it it really makes me think there's going to be more movement, Robbie. I think someone's going to go between now and September 1st. My guess would be Lodi because he's not playing, and it's it makes too much sense. It's a World Cup year. He's not playing. It, it's time for the club to get something for him. Cholo's not going to use him, and Cholo's going to remain in the job, um, which he's got this job as long as he wants it. The only people uh, other than, like, hardcore, you know, Cholista's the only people who don't want him to leave more our MAG and Soretso, because he covers up everything that goes on at boardroom level. So it, it makes me think that, yeah, there is some tension certainly simmering um, to a, a nice boil under the radar and that there's going to be a sale. Um, maybe Kondogbia goes. He's not playing. He's got a contract to 2024. He was very good last year. Thinking from Atletico's point of view, why not try to capitalize on him, especially if the coach isn't going to count on him? I don't know. Yeah, and I don't think that... Um... I don't think that Simeone is fully convinced of Morata either yet. I don't know, and but I also don't think they'd have to bring someone in. But yeah, like I mean, Hermoso is a good a good uh, example of someone who's just completely lost status there. And um, we've seen now Saul and Carrasco start at left wing back, and Lodi is obviously or I mean, um, figuring it out from there. It means that Lodi is obviously number three. There was obviously interest from Manchester City, so I mean, why wouldn't you sell um, if if it's someone who you're not entirely convinced of that has a future at the club and who has a, has interest from a team that needs a left back and who Lodi would be willing to go to? And yeah, Lodi makes sense. Condogbia makes sense if. If Vitzo now is kind of an option in, in a couple of different positions and Koke is there, Lamar is playing in the double pivot, they've got Rodrigo de Paul too to come in. Um Colombia makes sense if they can find a suitor and if they're if it's, if it's something that appeals to him. And then yeah, I'm not entirely sure of Morata either. Like I mean, we saw last night when Cunha came on, he made a difference, uh, and Griezmann and, and Correa were there, uh, and I just don't know if the if the relationship between Simeone and Morata is strong enough to last a year. Hmm. Yeah, and Morata's contract, I think, is up in 2024. I think it was extended by a year in part to make some space on the wage bill. I thought I think Morata's been pretty good these first couple of games. Obviously ended the preseason with a bang, but scored the couple of goals against Hatafe. And I thought he, he worked pretty hard on Sunday, uh, really put himself about, had a couple of good chances from headers. So, yeah, I think Morata has a, a good chance to stay now. And between Morata and Cunha, I think they can get enough goals from that position, even if neither one ends up being a fixed starter. Like we, We've lived through the Alvaro Morata experience, Robbie. He's an inconsistent player, talented, but inconsistent, especially at club level. And Cunha has a lot of potential. He's an exciting player. So that doesn't as much concern me. Um, I guess what is more concerning is that there there seems to be a, a, a new Culebron with Griezmann. Uh, Simeone felt the need to address it on Saturday that he wants him to stay, uh, that he says he's important for the team and important for the club. I think the club is starting to feel a bit differently about Griezmann, and they are, I think, wisely hesitant to pay $40 million for him next year. Yeah, um, and it is sad to see how, how Griezmann was world class for a long time, and maybe he still could be, but uh, I think he arrived back to an, a very different Atletico Madrid. I think his confidence has been rattled ever since he went to Barcelona and just kind of 
he got a he got a massive shock when he went there and realised probably wasn't going to be as easy as he he had hoped it would be, and so I th- I think um, yeah I I don't know what's going to happen with Griezmann. There's another guy who who potentially could uh, could go back. To, um, who mightn't be in with Atletico when the, when the window shuts? So uh, yeah, like I'm, not, I'm yeah. not even sure how they do that though, because he's still on loan from Barca. Um, yeah, I, and he's played a couple of games now. He has, but um, one of the clauses in his his the terms of his loan is that he has to play half the games this year and 45 minutes in half of those games. He's only played 30 against Hitafe and 30 more against um, Villarreal. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. If maybe there's a directive, maybe maybe it is all entirely Simeone's decision, but it is curious that he's only played half an hour in the first two games. These start they both he's come off the bench and that's yeah. one of the clauses in triggering the 40 million for next year. Yeah, which is just I mean, what would, that, that kind of constraint is just Why ridiculous. bring him back in the first place? Yeah, Simeone having to build around that. Like, I mean, I do feel sorry for Simeone in that respect. And um, I guess we're not going to know. And these things kind of like, I mean, Casemiro came out of nowhere. Yeah. Uh, it, it was her first reported, and I was like, Ugh. I laughed at it. I was like, there's no Same. way. Same. And then, and then it got rubbished, and it was like, no, he's not going. And then all of a sudden, it was like, uh, actually, he, he might be. So, look, I don't want to sound like Simeone, but like, anything can happen until. The end of the uh, the end of the window, and Atletico do need do have like a, as they say here in Spain, overbooking in certain mm-hmm. areas, and and they have serious deficits in others. So maybe they can do a little bit of movement, moving around uh, players in order to to build a better squad for Simeone. But uh, yeah, like like we we started off this podcast talking about the tactics, which aren't great, and I think then the 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 the, the planning isn't great either. And uh, yeah, then the the, the fans—it's uh, the holy trinity of of crisis mode. Uh, the, the, like the Atletico already experiencing it right straight away, and uh, yeah, I, I just don't think it's um, as you said. It's not it's not an ideal start to the season. No, maybe. but I think every I think every La Liga club is in with this, and I was just kind of thinking about this. I mean, I know Javier Tebas, and I would have championed Tebas's. Um, desire to for, for for financial parity across the league but at the same time he's seriously hamstringing his own product here mm-hmm. by like like this there's, there's teams who have only spent a million euro like in the summer and, and like you know newly promoted teams like i think Almeria maria have only like spent a euro a million euro a, euro, a million euro one and euro like Nottingham <laughs> forest and i know that they get a lot more money for their broadcasting rights and stuff like that but like i don't know where like at what point does Tebas's remit, like, if and I know, I know this is this is bad for the clubs as institutions within towns and cities, and I'm not I'm not saying I agree with this, but I'm just wondering, like, if Elche want to bend themselves into a hole and 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 end up like, you know, who? Why is Tebas trying to? protect them and, and, and again I'm not saying I'm only I'm just I'm just asking I'm, I'm genuinely asking this question I don't know like if, if the goal is to and, and, and we know now as well one of one of the main things that gets people going that builds interest in a league is player transfers and new signings and 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 you know and I just wonder how much <laughs> like like uh, how much of what Tebas is trying to do is actually hurting the league maybe I'm not saying get rid of the salary uh, restrictions but loosening them a little bit to the point where you know teams can act like, like this whole Barcelona thing and I, un- I look I understand that they've gotten themselves into this mess but at the same time like what's how does that look to the league if Jules Conde just has to sit and watch from the bench for a year. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't really know. Like, yeah, even even from an excitement standpoint, and I, I wouldn't be too big into transfers during the summer. I just kind of, I, I, I used to be, oh, this guy and that, but I, it's gotten so messy now that I just kind of switch off, and if it happens, it happens. But even in terms of excitement, new players coming and stuff, like there hasn't really been that much of that in La Liga this, this summer, like because 
no one can buy anyone. Like we got kind of Real Betis were kind of linked with um, aware, aware the hour or whatever. Yeah, from, from, from Leon. Leon and nothing, and you know it's just kind of like uh, yeah, I, I, I and, 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 and Atletico are are going to be hurting in 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 the in in Europe because of this, and and I get Tevas's point about trying to protect the the um, trying to protect the teams from themselves, but. At what point do you actually just start to seriously hurt the league? And at what point do they have an onus themselves to uh, look after um, their own uh, their own um, their own affairs? Yeah, it, it's not only the the product that 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 Tebas is you know inadvertently or otherwise hurting. Uh, you know, there are club employees, there are coaches, technical staff, players. Um, it, it's, all these clubs are just struggling to, to cobble together funds this summer. I mean, Betis started the season with, like, I think half a dozen unregistered players. They had to sell Mark Bartra uh, to kind of get some relief on the salary limit. It's And I think we're both talking about this, Robbie, from a, a point of a, a view of we're concerned. You know, a view of, like, we're not trying to trash the league or, or the idea or the theory, the, the theory behind the uh, uh, salary limits. Like, I think in, in theory... And for a while in practice, it was a good idea to have these strict financial controls to make sure everything is regulated, to prevent clubs from doing what you know Barcelona and the Bartomeu board were doing. But Barcelona are still doing this because they've auctioned off their future earnings in order to make signings now. And you know that's a whole other discussion whether we think that's right or not. I don't think it is, and I don't, I don't think you do either. But when there's only two clubs that are spending, it's like this is already looking like a 95-point league between Madrid and Barcelona uh, because no one else has been able to spend because the the financial controls are so rigid and inflexible. Like, the only substantive thing Tebas did was, like, take the one-by-four rule and revise it to one-by-three, right? And, like, that, okay, that helps a little bit. Like, if you want to buy a player for $20 million, you only have to sell $60 million euro worth of assets instead of $80 million. That's still not great. And throughout this summer, like, the the party line coming from Atletico's offices has been we need to sell 40 million euro worth of players in order to get into the market. Atletico were able to make the Molina signing without necessarily doing that because they secured new sponsorship deals. But there that's still looming over everything is that even Atletico, a club that's been in the Champions League literally for the last decade, that has made two Champions League finals, has won the Europa League titles, Super Cups, um, two-time La Liga champions that they have been in Europe's top competition for a decade and they still need to sell. Granted, Atletico have financial mismanagement dating back to the 1980s and 1990s. All right. But this is going on at, at a bunch of clubs in La Liga, in Primera and in Segunda. There was a point this summer where, where 14 clubs were in danger of becoming, you know, party to the one by three rule. And that does not produce a healthy league. It does not produce a healthy football pyramid. Um, I know La Liga rakes in only about half the billions that the Premier League brings in. But it, it's very worrying when you can see what Nottingham Forest have done this summer coming up from the championship and you compare it to how the third-place team in La Liga, uh, what happened at, what's happened at Sevilla, what's happened at Betis, you can't really square it. It puts modern football in a kind of a dark a, a dark place, a, a dismal light. Yeah, and I guess uh, the... But then it just comes down to coaching. Coach better. Coach the players you have better. That's it. Find, find that. minute advantages wherever you can, whether it's coaching, video study, analytics, which we've talked about several times before, Robbie. Yeah, just yeah. investing heavily in your analytics department and sports science, sleep science. Um, you, you have to find other ways to get ahead rather than just spending $30 million on the next hot shot. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let's see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Couple, two more things I want to ask you about. Uh, do you think Carrasco's header crossed the line? Fifteen no, minutes. No, I don't. Th- I don't think the full ball crossed the line. No. Really, I, I was about seventy percent sure that that was a goal, but without goal line technology, we can't tell for sure. Yeah, well, it it, it the only thing when you look at the photo of the others, the only thing that that could change it is whether or not the post is wider than the goal line mm. because it definitely doesn't cross the post now whether or not the post is further back but 
no, like I mean that photo, like the photo that was put up online, like that's it's not this it's that's not over the line. It's not fully over the line. And either way, e- even if Atletico had gotten that, whether it was a gift or not, they were still outplayed on the night. They were still outthought on the night, and a bunch of concerns still exist. But I, I was fairly certain that that was a goal. Um, very, I mean, Tabas could just pony up the money and invest in goal line technology. Who knows if and when he will. Uh, the last thing, Robbie, uh, any initial thoughts on the Valencia game next Monday at Mestalla? Well, uh, yeah, I've watched Valencia now, and firstly, Samuel Lino looks a player, but uh, the, uh, I, I don't think Valencia are as well drilled yet under Gattuso as like a team like Emery. Emery are just uh, uh, anathema to, to, to Simeone, like the, their spacing and their, their technical excellence, and they've got a couple of years under Emery now, and, and they're, 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 they can be boring, but they're, they're really good at what they do. Uh, so I don't think Valencia are a little bit more chaotic, which might suit uh, Atletico. But uh, but at the same time, they 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 have a distinct style now, where they want the ball. And um, yeah, we'll see if Atletico kind of battle them for it, or whether or not they just let them have it and try to break on the counter. But uh, yeah, Gattuso versus Simeone is um, pretty spicy battle there yeah that could be box office between those two yeah and valencia have been playing with more possession certainly relative to how they were playing under pepe bordelas and i'm really excited to watch lino i haven't been able to watch valencia a whole lot these first two match days um but i've, I've caught some highlights here and there he, he does look like a, a pretty interesting and, and spicy young player and atletico have to respond because the the display sunday was not close to good enough and Mestalla is a really tough place to go. I think Atletico are unbeaten against Valencia in 14 or 15 games now. Uh, we'll see if they can extend that streak and get three points next Monday. Uh, we'll be previewing it closer to kickoff, but we're going to leave it there for now. Robbie, thank you so much for joining me on today's Colt Chinero Chat. No problem, Jeremy. It's good to be back. We'll chat soon, I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Into the Calderon. Keep up with our work at IntoTheCalderon.com, of course. Uh, Colch Nero Chat Amigos at Patreon.com get a bunch of exclusive uh, goodies aside from the standard podcast. And make sure you subscribe and follow us on Spotify so you can get all episodes of Colch Nero Chat and the Partido a Partido podcast, our sister program. We will be back next week following Valencia Atletico. Uh, until then, adios.